Welcome everyone to All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast 161, recording this on the 18th of November 2015. I'm Steve Litchfield. With me, I have Rafe Blanford. Yes, hello everybody. Time for another All About Windows Phone Insight Podcast. Uh, we're continuing to talk about the kind of arrival of Windows 10 Mobile, uh, the new devices arriving probably actually within the next few weeks for some people and maybe even sooner if you're in the US uh, for the rest of the world and for some of the key European markets, it's looking like uh, the first week of so of December. But we do have a new accessory to talk about as well, which Steve's been trying out this week. But I think perhaps first, Steve, we should return to a bit of feedback we've had when we're talking about OneDrive. Uh, absolutely. I should just mention that um, if, if things break up during the podcast or if I start emitting whoops of delight, it's because there's a brand new build of Windows 10 Mobile <laughs> and I'm kind of checking devices through the podcast, uh, kind of at random, hoping it hits. So there we are. Just dedication a a for you. I know. Yes, Richard emailed us a couple of weeks ago after our news piece about Microsoft scaling back their OneDrive tariffs, etc. after, quote, misuse by apparently by some people, but basically because they hadn't done all the summons properly. And you and I kind of discussed that the, the bigger message really was the way they handled it and the way they communicated the changes. Now, Richard says, I think he says, the podcast was a balanced view of what Microsoft feels commercially is necessary. I did think the podcast ducked wholesale the question of the effect this has on Windows 10 Mobile, though. For example, a Lumia 950 with 20 gigabytes of online storage is capable of pro providing online backup for even an extended holiday. Um, one with five gigabytes of OneDrive space, much less so. I do know of at least one 950 order which was cancelled yesterday. Is this not mine? <laughs> I suspect this will do yet more to inhibit the launch of the 950 and 950XL. Given the name of the podcast, I do think this aspect needs to be explored properly. In other words, um, estimating the impact on the future of devices which are not backed up by sufficient OneDrive storage. And My theory, Rafe, is that Microsoft should do, and I returned to this in a piece actually published on the site today in one of the items, Microsoft should do what Google has been doing, basically saying um, photo and video, I mean, let's leave video to one side, photo backup from your Windows phones, from your Windows 10 mobile devices needs to be free. People did, don't, If people start worrying about, well, I can't take photographs because there's not room to do an automatic backup, then the whole thing falls to pieces. What Google have done, they've said, well, if you take a photograph on an Android phone, as long as you don't mind us doing a bit of extra JPEG compression, you're just tweaking it a bit to fit on our servers. And if you upload something stupidly high res, as long as you don't mind us reducing it to whatever it is, 8 megapixels or so, then we will store it free forever. Um, and it doesn't cost Google that, that much. It, doesn't, it won't cost Microsoft that much. I can appreciate Microsoft does not want people putting, you know, Blu-ray rips and all sorts of binary rubbish up on OneDrive, clogging up the system. But people's cherished memories they, they're out at events parties holidays taking photographs and if all of a sudden things come to a crashing halt because it can't carry on backing up um, their photos and the photo falls down a drain or gets stolen while on holiday they come back and find the backups didn't work because they ran out of one drive space because microsoft has scaled them back to five gigabytes the whole thing just becomes a fiasco and i think that uh, microsoft could take a leaf from google's book here yeah well i mean to answer your point first of all I was kind of surprised they didn't take that approach. And it's kind of what's been done with Amazon Prime. If you remember there, you can kind of have unlimited photo uploads. Um, but you can also look at the Apple example and, you know, they're providing a similar amount for free and you know, there isn't a massive 
feeling of resentment around that. I mean, it is because Microsoft has stepped this back. So I do wonder whether when you talk and write about this, there can be a little bit of, um, well, it's either selective exposure theory or confirmation bias. You you tend to read the things that you agree with. Um, But honestly, it it still, as I said last time, feels like a misstep from Microsoft, particularly the the grandfathering thing we talked about last time. But I mean, just talking about images, we are, of course, making the assumption that Microsoft would be able to distinguish between the different types of content and have the quota sort of be flexible because of that. I suspect maybe the reason that didn't happen is they just don't have that at the moment. And obviously, things like the Amazon Prime storage, as well as um, in Google Photos, would have had that built in from the beginning. So it may well be at some point we, we see that change. Because honestly, you know, it seems like an such an obvious thing and actually if you use the photos app on windows 10 having all your photos on onedrive is really quite a a lovely experience because you don't have to have gigabytes and gigabytes stored on you know a laptop or a desktop and it works on the phone as well of course and being able to access all them is brilliant but of course as you say that functionality is entirely dependent on having the space in onedrive so i think it is absolutely the area where there there seems the biggest criticism and given that you know the uh, photos are coming you know predominantly these days from a a phone i would have thought it's probably 98 percent of photos being captured maybe even even more than that um to kind of do this does feel like it's very detrimental to windows 10 mobile um i think rich is also making a bigger point about um the kind of ability for cloud storage to be used as a phone to kind of get around the fact that you only get so much built in. And in general, I think that's a, you know, a really fantastic idea, particularly as we move to sort of having better connectivity everywhere. Now, I appreciate that's not universal yet, but I think most people would acknowledge there are kind of tiers of data that some that they'll want to keep locally stored on their phone, but a bigger music collection or photos and particularly things like videos, you know, that kind of makes more sense maybe to put into the cloud. But of course, you know, if, if you're just going for the free option, as he rightly says, you know, if you're kind of using it as a backup when you're away on holiday, if five gigabytes starts to look quite stingy. And as I said last time, more to the point, actually, you have to start thinking about the management of that, re- removing things afterwards and deleting it and how have you look at that. So, I mean, I, I perhaps don't feel as strongly as Richard does a, about this being a really bad thing for Windows 10 Mobile because, um, it does become about the photos and particularly the videos, the rest of the storage available. I, I see it as unlikely in terms of documents and settings and backup of the phone itself to ever be that excessive. But of course, once you add the photos and videos in, you know, it, it doesn't distinguish between the two. And actually, of course, OneDrive is being used to back up app data and things like that. So if it, you suddenly use up all your space, presumably that's going to stop and that's not going to be a great experience because you kind of think it's backing up when it's not. Um, and so, I think he, I think he has a point here. The other part of me goes, I suspect, you know, people who are using it to that extent are probably going to be willing to buy some space or will have Office 365. And perhaps I'm sort of, you know, having selective exposure to that because, you know, that's how I see most Windows phone people using their devices. You know, if you've invested a Windows phone device, you're probably well and truly in the Microsoft ecosystem. There's a very good chance you've got a Microsoft subscription to 365. It, it's it is a tricky one um and i think perhaps we we should have made a bit more of it on the podcast we were concentrating on kind of uh the bigger picture um honestly though i don't think it's going to be a major factor inhibiting the launch of the 950 the 950 xl i think there's other factors at play there not least you know the change in strategy and the less availability in certain channels will have a much bigger impact than anything about onedrive but um if we were going to talk about issues around onedrive i'd actually say kind of the 
the one we didn't really touch on last time that is a big deal is the idea of uh, file pointers, which kind of disappeared in Windows 10. Previously, you could have uh, files that you hadn't synced to your computer would show up with kind of these placeholders or shortcuts that when you clicked on them, you know, it would then go and get the version from the cloud. Windows 10 will only show files that you've actually actively decided to sync and have down a copy on your local computer so it makes it far harder to kind of just use it as a an extra kind of disk drive or kind of have all your files in there and say what it tends to do is make you want to sync more of the contents of your OneDrive onto your local computer which can be somewhat problematic and then of course you have to maybe go into the browser or the OneDrive application to kind of go and see those it's not part of the file system in the same way it was before and purely from a personal point of view I actually find that form far more irritating um, than the limited free space. Perhaps that's because I can buy my way out of the limited free space option and indeed have already done so. Um, but it's it, it's an interesting debate. And I think this is going to yeah. run. I mean, Steve, I think you expressed surprise that there hadn't been a bit of a U-term or some communication around that. Again, I think that's because maybe a bit of an echo chamber, storming a teapot we talked about last time. But it, it still feels like... Um, an announcement here around photos, for example, as you suggested, wouldn't go amiss. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I did a piece this morning actually looking at a frequently asked questions for using Windows 10 photographs. And I actually came up with some wording that Microsoft is welcome to use and uh, <laughs> no royalties needed. Um, but yes, I was kind of expecting a bit of a U-turn. But in actual fact, if Microsoft were going to go down this route, whereby all of the, the revised tariffs, all their plans for 2016 stay in place, apart from, and this is the statement they just issue, JPEG photos in your camera roll folders are exempt from the um, you know the, the space limits and won't be counted against your allowance. That will be a trivial change at their end. It will cost them very, very little. This, people aren't going to have a terabyte of JPEG photographs. This is just making sure that people like Richard get through their holidays. Um, it's a very easy statement to make, very easy change at their end to make, and I think that would keep an awful lot of people happy. But I do have one other question for you, Rafe, and that's mm. um, we've seen on the 640 and the Lumia 640 XL, these, these devices actually come with a year's office 365 now a year is obviously a limited period and think you have to think about what happens in a year's time but i do presume that the 950 the 950 xl will also come with a voucher for office 365 which at least will defer for another year these sort of awkward questions about how the heck do i get through my holiday well there hasn't been any announcement from microsoft around that and i would have expected to to have happened if they were going to do that but it certainly wouldn't surprise me to see that kind of bundling in the future. Microsoft has done it with other products. Um, and I think that's a pattern we'll actually see them employ more in the future. And it won't necessarily just be Office 365. You know, it might be around some Skype calling minutes, which actually is in a bit of Office 365 um, in certain versions. And so, you know, part of these questions will become perhaps muted because most people with a Windows mobile device or a Windows device will have that subscription. And you know, it's not going to become a prerequisite or anything, but given that, you know, the update to the operating system itself is free, you know, you do have an expectation that Microsoft is going to look to you know, create those incremental revenues uh, somewhere else. And by hooking people onto 365 and the Office 365 plan, that's a, that's a good way to do it. And depending on your point of view, that's either sort of a bit Machiavellian or, or perfectly reasonable. I mean, personally, I feel I get fantastic value from it. So I'm quite happy paying it and, honestly um microsoft don't listen to this i'll be willing to pay more for it um but the photos one and exempting that i think would be the sensible way to go i mean i've got i think four years worth of uh pictures in my camera roll in OneDrive, and it takes up about 20 gigabytes Same um, here. you know it would be annoying 
if you know I didn't have a subscription, if that kind of disappeared and I had to do something about it, and it you know it feels like you could still put an upper limit on it. You could say, you know, once you get to 50 gigabytes uh, of photos, you have to cough up or something like that. And it just feels a little bit miserly. Um, But I I imagine someone has done the calculation somewhere. I mean, I say that, but I I suspect at least some of this just didn't even consider Windows 10 Mobile because of the relatively small number of devices, particularly when you consider it against the overall number of OneDrive accounts. You know, that was probably less of a factor than people using it sort of in the way that cloud storage is typically used because I I think for most uh, consumers, actually, you know, outside those listening to this podcast and prosumers, cloud storage and smartphones isn't something that's really gone together um, past the need to kind of get into Dropbox to get your productivity files. And that idea of extending your uh, kind of internal capacity by using the cloud hasn't really applied in a large scale way because what people have done is you know they've used the cloud for video but that's been about streaming rather than video they've created photos i think you could make that argument because that now is going on in google photos and apple have have done that as well but i'm not sure how much awareness there is around that it'll be interesting to kind of ask the average average consumer you know do you understand all of that implies the various quotas and things like that um, because I know I've come across a lot of iOS users have been frustrated by some of the um, iCloud limits, mm-hmm. for example, not really understood what was going on or how they'd managed to use it up. Um, and I think that would apply elsewhere. Now, I would expect the average Windows phone um, or Windows 10 mobile consumer to be a little bit more savvy around those kind of things because there's been a lot more communication. But again, you know, it's we talk around this subject, and of course we talk about it in detail on this podcast. But I do wonder sometimes whether it's a bit of uh, you know. Uh, you can't see the tree for the forest. Yeah, in fairness, I mean, we're talking about uh, five gigabytes for free, which mo- anyone who's uh, any kind of power user or enthusiast, they will get burned through that five gigabyte in terms of photo and video backup and backups uh, of other documents and so forth fairly quickly. But in fairness, the 50 gigabyte um, tariff, which is their new 2016 tariff for $2 a month, I think it is, that isn't a huge amount. And I'm, I'm guessing that's going to be like £1.30, £1.40 a month. It, you, people should pay for what they use. And if I'm using 50 gigabyte of Microsoft server time, I'm quite happy to pay £1.50 a month. That really isn't a problem. It's simply the way that, uh, how they're going to manage the transition. Yeah. In actual fact, many of the people who listen to this, the all about Windows Phone hardcore insiders, they'll have taken advantage of all the, the Bing bonuses and the enthusiast bonuses that we have. And many of us have actually got 200 gigabytes, a lot of which doesn't expire until 2017. So. In practice, I think a lot of people who are kind of complaining on, on AWP are actually won't be the people who are impacted at all. So the, the, yeah. the fascinating thing will be think how Microsoft manages the transition, how they communicate, whether they do make some kind of exception for photo backup. All of these things, I should emphasize, are absolutely up in the air. None of this, none of these changes are going to happen until well into 2016 anyway. So I think it's probably a bit too early to be you know, running around sick with our heads, like chickens with their heads cut off, going panic, panic, panic. <laughs> I, I, but I, at the same time, I think there is definitely something to be watched for and worried over. Over and we'll just see how it pans out into next year. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's right. So, I mean, we've been talking a little bit about Windows 10 Mobile off and off, but you recently did a, a feature on when is 
the existing device is going to be upgraded. I think people maybe get slightly sick of us talking about the 950, 956 <laughs> that have been coming for so long. We're going to do that more later in the podcast anyway. But what about those existing devices? Can you kind of summarize what the situation is for there, both in terms of kind of the priority and, and possibly around the date? Dates? And this comes with a big caveat that there are some asterisks <laughs> against it. Uh, absolutely. Well, obviously, the 550-950-950XL we just mentioned, they come out of the box with Windows 10 Mobile. That's a given. Now, the, the more interesting thing is what happens then. Um, there will be at least, I'm saying at least two, three, four weeks before over-the-air updates start to appear. I mean, it takes them that much time to do all the hardened testing of, of real-world devices with real-world user data, make sure that things don't get lost. That does take time, and that is a, a much more complicated problem than just simply shoving a device out the door with a pre-configured factory firmware image on it. But the, the devices with the Snapdragon X100 processors, so things like the Lumia 430, 435, 5436-4650-7307-3585-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8390-8
very close. Um, and I think we're probably going to be talking more as we have already done about what the experience is like on those devices. But I think the, the safe thing to say, Steve, is that if you're on one of the more recent devices, and again, that's the Snapdragon X100 hardware rather than something like the S4, you're very safe to upgrade and you will get a lot of benefit from doing so. If you're on some of the older devices, maybe think twice about it or at least wait for some of the reports to come in around those devices. Um, would you say that's a fair advice? Uh, absolutely fair advice, although the if you look at the feature I wrote on it on the site, um, the, the devices in that second wave in the green box in the table, that, that, that 1520 and the icon do need singling out because they do run the more That's advanced chipsets. And true. once they have been tested, once that is available, that, of course, is a no-brainer. The 1520 has been used widely by myself and yourself and many others in testing the Windows 10 Mobile all along, and it runs beautifully on that device. So the only reason it's being pushed into the second wave, I think, is because it's wasn't a very popular device in terms of the number of units sold that Microsoft doesn't think it'll get much uh, uh, benefit from it for releasing it for that one device with a fairly small number of units sold. But uh, yeah, what's, I guess if you're really keen and you're a 1520 owner or an icon owner, you'll have beyond the insider's build anyway, so right. it really isn't a problem. Yeah, I think that's uh, right. And it, it's probably fair to say that there will be some prioritization on some of these existing devices. I wouldn't be at all surprised to see something like the uh, 640 or the 640XL being one of the first devices to get the in-place update simply because there's more of them out there and something like the 830 and the 930 that's sold in smaller numbers and certainly the HTC One M8, maybe less. But uh, let, let's wait for it to happen then we can actually yeah. report on what's going on rather than kind of making making good guesswork. Yeah, and uh, just should just note briefly that uh, there are some devices which... Uh, we're likely never to get the update. The HTC 8S, which we absolutely slammed when we first got it in because it's just got a four gigabyte internal disk. Um, and similarly, of course, the Lumia 530 with a four gigabyte internal disk. But although the, because it's a Lumia and of course it's got Microsoft's direct support, there is at least a chance, an outside chance, that they will say, okay, well, you can do the update. You'll have to, you know, do back up all your data and wipe, wipe it, reflash it using our dedicated Windows utility and then restore your data, which is a bit of a pain. But uh, at least the 530 is not totally without hope for uh, 2016. And there's also the Samsung ATVS, the Yesbilly devices, which we reviewed on the site last year, the 4 and the 4.7, all of which unlikely to ever to get an 8.1 update. But I, I can't say that the, num the numbers of users on those four or five devices are probably... Uh, uh, lower than the the population of your hometown, Rafe. Yeah, I think <laughs> uh, I think that's a very fair comment. Now, I think we're going to talk a little bit about an accessory that you've been reviewing this weekend. It's the the second version. Uh, you put a review up on this already, and of course, it's the Microsoft Band Two. But let, let's start off by kind of summarising your immediate reaction to this, and we should probably explain that this is microsoft wearable that is kind of halfway between a fitness tracker and a smartwatch in many ways the first version came out earlier it did feel very much like a prototype all the indications when microsoft talked about this at the launch event that it was a more polished device there are several changes which we'll cover in a minute but does it feel like it's gone from prototype to actual consumer ready product steve absolutely it also doesn't feel like it's it's got to the stage where it's a product I'd rather pay two hundred pounds of my own money for. <laughs> but at least go. it is. But at least it is a, co a polished commercial product. 
Um, it, it feels much slicker in the hand, uh, on the hand, on the wrist, I should say. Uh, smooth, um, durable. It's the Gorilla Glass on the front make a big difference. The 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 IP rating, IP67, is ex- apparently the, the original also had that rating, which means you can dunk it in water for up to 30 minutes at a meter. But uh, in practice, they said, don't whatever you do, take it in the shower, which kind of seems to me like a mixed message. But uh, the original um, Microsoft band was a bit prototypey, as I mentioned in the review. This one actually, because it's a presumably a much more tested product i do actually believe that rating so i suspect you can wear it in the shower you might even be able to wear it in the bath but if it breaks don't blame me um the uh the, some things about it are very nice the, the, the extra tiles are nice the the, the extra speed the the display is slightly higher in terms of the pixel resolution which means you can see more information at, at a glance the display is now oled not uh, not lcd and that makes a big difference in terms of the warmth and the appeal of the display everything just seems a tiny bit snappier the, the the comfort on the wrist is obviously much, much better because it, you haven't got those clunky side parts. The sides of the band are now it's much thinner and more flexible. You've still got, if you wear the band to on the it's recommended inverted um, way, whereby the, the display faces inwards, eye towards your body, so you just kind of lift up your wrist and there's the display facing you means that the clasp is on the outside and the clasp is now twice the size of the old clasp and it's kind of bright, shiny, stainless silver. So I mean, there's various things I could raise in, in terms of not wanting to spend £200 on this, but that, that has to be one of them. I, I started wearing the band too around the house, and my my wife and daughter both said something along the lines of, what the heck is that? It looks like you've just got out of prison, because they look like one of these um, prison <laughs> tags to, to, you know, to track my whereabouts. Did you get a chance to check out the photographs in my review? I didn't. I think this uh, kind of back clasping is kind of the, the key thing that seems to have gone wrong this time round. In that it's actually thicker than the the front side of the unit, and as you say, wearing it in that inverted position does make that very obvious when you look at it. Um, you haven't got a picture on your wrist, but I can imagine. I mean, they've done all the right things in terms of the curved screen and kind of the upgrade to the the hardware and the design, but it's still very, I would say, utilitarian, and it still feels like it's something that you know you're only going to be wearing if you're a very dedicated sort of fitness tracker or like trying out that new technology you know it's nowhere near the simplicity or the elegance of something like a fitbit or a jawbone device and it, it, it doesn't really have the slightly understated thing of you know some of the smartwatches that we've now seen i mean actually the thickness isn't that dissimilar um to something like the moto 360 or some of those other devices but you know it it just feels a little bit clunky um and and you know, being being picky here, um, it just feels like a little bit more could have been done. Yeah, absolutely. And there's an, another area in which things could have been done better, and more could have been done is the software side of things. At the in terms of the client software on the phone, in this case, uh, Windows Phone, Windows Ten Mobile, and on the server. Um, now, the, the band itself is pretty snappy, but uh, it communicates with your phone via Bluetooth. Now, Bluetooth. It's, okay, it's not a tremendously high data rate, Ray, but it's a high enough data rate that you can stream music, for goodness sake, between you know, your phone and a Bluetooth headphone. So Bluetooth innately can handle data streams at a reasonable rate. And there can't be that much data being transferred between this Microsoft band. You know, it's the, It might register the number of your pulse rate several times a minute and log that through the day. It might some some statistics about your sleep, that sort of thing. It, it obviously got to transfer things like uh, email notifications in the other direction. But when you actually go into Microsoft Health, the application, the companion app on your phone, 
it can still take something like 15 to 20 seconds of dot, 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 updating, syncing, a progress bar goes, it's just waiting, waiting, synchronizing, while you tap your fingers and twiddle your thumbs, think, why on earth is it taking this long? Um, and, and on the similar side, a lot of the data doesn't actually appear in that Microsoft Health app until the Microsoft servers back in somewhere in America have you know, got chattering away and processed the raw data, and then they deign to send some information back to the, the health application on the phone, which then probably has to sync back with the band, and that takes another 15, 20 seconds. So it's an exercise in patience and frustration, and, and that's annoying when this is a product that's now 18 months old or so, effectively. This should, this should have been fixed by now. I can't believe that no one at Microsoft has thought, well... Why does it take 15 seconds, Brad, or whoever's doing the program? Why does it take you know, 15 seconds to synchronize this two kilobytes of data? Why Why on earth? They, oh, no, we're, we're getting around to optimizing that ne you know, next month, Joe, or whatever. Um, th this, this should have been fixed a year ago, and I can't believe that it's all so clunky and frustrating at this stage in the sort of November 2015. Yeah, it's, it, it's interesting because it feels like we're being unduly critical uh, in some senses because, you know, this is probably still the best wearable to buy if you've got a Windows uh, phone device or going forward a Windows 10 mobile device in terms of the capability. And if you're looking for a very good fitness tracker, actually I think it's one of the best on the market simply because of the number of sensors that are available uh, within it. And it is actually quite rugged and robust. And so, you know, it, it does offer a lot. And actually the Microsoft Health platform itself is really strong. It just feels like some of the user experience and you're detailing the delays there really could be improved. It, I mean, I'm not sure how much of that is down to the, the platform. And you certainly notice that, you know, on other platforms, smartwatches or wearable devices would be better about syncing in the background and have that information there. You know, you mentioned having to process stuff on the server, which I think is is fair enough. And a good example of that is actually sleep activity. Yeah. Um, the, the BAM is kind of processing information, then, you know, all the logic sits in the cloud. And it's kind of a sensible way to do things. But it, it needs to do that pretty quickly for you to sort of not get frustrated by it. Or, the, or probably better would be if, you know, after it knows you've got up, which presumably once you started taking steps or a certain time, it could, you know, um, do that processing or do that syncing and processing and go up to the cloud. And actually what would be kind of interesting if it presented a, a push notification in the morning with some summary information or something like that. So it just feels like there's a little bit more joining up to do. Um, that said, I mean, I want to say some nice things about the band having just, you know, um, been, been very horrible. Microsoft has had a pretty good track record of updating the software in terms of adding new functionality. And I'm looking forward to that continuing, especially now we've got a, a piece of hardware that feels like, you know, it's, it's less of a chore to wear and it sort of you know, should be less uncomfortable. And it's still doing all the notification stuff that we talked about before. And one of the things that's maybe not clear for most people is while there's been upgrades to the design and the screen, the actual internal hardware in terms of the number of sensors, there's not been big changes there and there hasn't really been big changes to the software. But I think that's because Microsoft is taking the approach of it's going to continue to update you know, the things that go along. So bike mode got added earlier this year and the most recent update was for, for golfers, uh, both kind of savvy audiences to go after who I think wouldn't mind putting on this wearable specifically for those activities, yeah. even if they didn't wear it all the time. I do wonder whether kind of a light version of the band is needed for kind of the, you know, all day, every day usage where, because it, it does feel very focused around exercise. And I think the danger is here that it gets, you know, taken off for, you know, during the day, you know, it doesn't fit very well beneath a shirt or, you know, 
as you said, people wonder what you're wearing. And that's a shame because some of the uh, Cortana functionality or some of the notification for incoming messages and other notifications actually works very well. And um, compared to other smartwatch I've, I've worn, it actually gives that right level of being able to just give you a, a kind of a tap on the shoulder. You can see who's calling, who that email was from without having to get your phone out. Um, and there is, of course, still this debate going on about, you know, where should these uh, wrist devices go? You know, do you go the kind of what Apple is kind of tr- starting to do with uh, WatchOS 2 and have it as a full app platform and expect people to do lots of interaction on there? Um, you know, uh, I think Apple is still exploring its base and it's kind of been quite ambitious. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it scale back towards more around, as I say, these notifications and glanceability. And, you know, that was one of the reasons that was emphasized in the first version. And you, you see so similar behavior in Android Wear. I, I think Microsoft actually kind of hit a bit of a sweet spot for now, but didn't bungle it exactly, but kind of took away from some of that by having something that was so focused around the fitness tracker part that I, I guess if you're going to have one product, you kind of kind of focus on that. And so if there was a message I was going to let people take away, it's great update, good to see the improvements, but this is definitely a wearable that's more around fitness tracking and um, health in sort of, I wouldn't say limited wearing, but probably not all day, every day. And for a lot of people, I think that will feel like a bit of a miss or an opportunity that they would have liked to see fulfilled. Um, so I'm, I'm sure Microsoft will continue pushing in this space because it's a, a effectively an experimental product in some ways still yeah. for them. Um, there are a lot of reasons to like it um, elsewhere because, of course, this is actually one of very few wearables that really will work across iOS, Android and Windows. And if you're regularly switching devices, that might hold uh, a significant amount of appeal particularly if you want to keep your kind of data all in the same place. Now, Fitbit and a couple of others do that, but they may not give you everything you want, or you may kind of want the that notification stuff as well. So uh, I think we've been quite quite harsh on the podcast here, Steve, but um, <laughs> do, do you think this is going to do better than the original band? Uh, yes, but that's not hard, I, I would say. <laughs> I, there, there's a common um, wisdom which says, and with, with Microsoft, you always wait for version 3 of anything. Mm. And uh, if you consider this as Band 2, which is kind of the name, I think Band 3 will be the one to watch. I mean, there are some, you, you mentioned sensors. There is one additional sensor. There's a barometer now, which, uh, right. although it claims to be able to count staircases climbed, it didn't work in my house. I suspect it's more geared to um, office staircases where you're talking about 15, 20 metres at a time. Yeah, you're obviously not climbing enough stairs, Steve. Well, I, my house isn't high enough. I need to bring out the loft ladder as well so I can do both at one go. Um, I'm sure it'll work very well out on the moors and the hills and the Welsh peaks or wherever you do your holidays, Rafe. I think it'll do very well there. For, for hikers to be able to see how much you've, uh, you know, you've risen and fall, fallen during the day, I think it'll be quite useful as well. And that all adds into your fitness. And it's also worth mentioning the, the battery life. Um, now, this comes with a caveat. In my experience, in my testing, the band two, the battery life was about a day, a day and a bit. And I don't think that's long enough. I think a, a smartwatch, if you have to t- charge your watch every single night, it gets t- tiring and uh, ag- annoying very, very quickly. I think a, a smartwatch should be charging it twice a week at most. Now, 
this is the very first firmware for the band version. As you say, they are doing firmware updates. They're very easy to apply, and I'm sure they'll be optimizing battery life. So I would hope that that current day and a half at most will rise to about two and a half, maybe even three days. And at that point, I think I can probably recommend it a bit more. But at the moment, it it kind of falls into the camp of it. It doesn't last long enough. It doesn't quite do enough. And what it does do, it doesn't do quickly enough. And uh, is, is £200 too much? Yes, I'd say it was. The, the right price for it feels somewhere in the 100 to 150 pound range and uh, no doubt it will fall to that in time just in time for version 3 to arrive yeah i was going to ask you about pricing it's interesting because this has gone up from the original and it does feel like you're getting towards you know the territory where you could go and think about one of the you know um, sort of more capable smart watches and certainly or another very significant accessory investment and so I was kind of surprised to see this. And like like you, I would say maybe the £166 level, something like that. Um, I mean, partly we're suffering from a little bit of uh, UK versus US pricing here, although it's not that far off. Um, and it's it's a hard sell to sort of say for a mass market or even, uh, you know, lots of Windows venues, yeah, this is the one to get because you you can go and get, a, you know, as I say, something like a Fitbit, um, even a, a Mi Band, and get that kind of basic level, you know, for a lot less. The thing that's you know worth paying for here, I guess, is the extra sensors, uh, the kind of improved notification experience, and then Microsoft Health, which I think is probably underrated, particularly when you go and start looking at the website, not just the app. There's an enormous amount of data there visualized in quite a beautiful way, and so if you're very serious about doing that kind of tracking it starts to become a, a much more interesting option. So my concluding thought would be, um, you know, if you're a Windows 10 mobile user, it, it's definitely worth a look. If you're you know, an exercise person, definitely worth a look. Um, and if some of the other things we've been talking about appeal, worth a look. But you're probably going to need two, if not three out of those things to kind of be a tip mark before you'll go, yes, I want to buy this. Um, and I, I think they've got work to do, frankly. Um, would I get one? I'm going to try and get my hands on one at some point, but I'm not in a massive rush to do so um, for you know long-term usage. And I'm curious, you know, you've had it, um, you know, a, a few days now. Are you still wearing it um, every day? No, I took it off. It's back in the there box. Do you want to borrow it? <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And that, I think that kind of kind of says it all because you know yeah. we're very interested in this technology now. Yeah. I guess we're starting to run out of time on this podcast. We're going to postpone some of the topics until next time. Um, but just sort of, we did promise to mention the 950, the 950X in passing. Steve, what do you think the latest timing on in terms of the arrival of this these devices is? Yes, yes. As we record this, um, people in America, um, AT&T customers, so I'm presuming AT&T got some kind of exclusive out of Microsoft, maybe a week or maybe two weeks ahead of the rest of the pack. They will be... Uh, receiving their devices <clears throat> through couriers through the post. I think it was the pre-order was a couple of days ago. Um, it remains to be seen exactly which firmware is on these launch devices. I'm suspecting it'll be the same as the one that insiders will be getting later on this evening as we record this on the Wednesday um, build 10586 or similar. So you can basically play with the same software that the 950 has got. But the specs are much higher. And I did put up a table, Rafe, on the site and uh, asking our our readers, which are the two they go for. And I was kind of leading them towards the 950XL because both you and Andy Hagen, our good friend, who had a play with both devices in New York, you both said exactly the same thing, that the devices didn't feel 
that different in the hand. In other words, you know, why skimp? Why not go for the, the, the higher spec, the bigger device? Because if it's not actually that much bigger to carry in with the, the bigger battery and the bigger screen and the higher spec processor, um, why not, for the sake of an extra 50 quid, go for the 950XL every time? And w- would you agree looking at the specs and after your own hands-on? Uh, yeah, I think I probably would. I mean, I think the spec differences aren't that big a deal. I mean, I'm not sure you'll see all that much in the processor. The extra battery size is going to kind of be offset by the fact it's got to drive uh, a bigger screen. Um, but uh, as I said last time, they don't feel fundamentally different. I do find myself wishing I could have the same hardware in both, in which case I would go for the smaller device because I just, you know, prefer a slightly smaller phone. But given the difference is, is, is you know, really pretty small, you know, I think, think the XL might be, be the right one. And especially if you're thinking about doing a pre-order in a couple of the European markets, they're giving one of the continuum docks away kind of as a bundle. And that then sort of makes you go, well, for that £50 extra, I'm going to get that back through the, the, the dock, which is likely to cost between £70 and £100. We haven't seen final pricing on that yet. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of people will be pushed towards the 950 XL. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the pricing in the longer term. Um, you know, I have carried around um, various of these large screen devices, and the 1520 was definitely too big. But I've, you know, had had access to an iPhone 6 Plus, for example, and uh, a Nexus 6, and they felt just a little bit more manageable. I still don't know yet. I mean, it, it's going to be a, a big thing to give up and, and go to that larger device form factor, especially when I've been using something like the 830, which feels feels pretty small, but given all the kind of weighing up all the options, if I was offering someone advice and they said, you've got to give an answer, the 950XL is the one to go for. Yeah, absolutely. And we're hoping to get our hands on these in the UK probably in about a week or so's time. Um, I suspect that the UK, as ever, will be slightly behind America, which is always frustrating. So I think the solution, Rafe, is for us to emigrate um, next week and then we become American citizens so we get our hands on these first. But um yeah, do watch. Yeah, do watch the site. We'll get reviews up as, as soon as we hum- humanly possible. And there's all sorts of tests, all the people's uh, requests and uh, suggestions for comparisons and articles. They've all been noted down. So watch for those during December. Yeah, and as you say, we'll get the coverage up uh, as soon as possible. In terms of a, a retail availability in the UK, it looks like the Microsoft Store is going to have them pretty early on. Then there's going to be Amazon in the sort of first or second week of December. And I think that that time frame is probably quite likely for some of the operators and car phone warehouse as well. And that will probably be reflected uh, throughout the rest of Europe as well. We'll try and bring you more information as we get it, but it really is very close now. And uh, for those that are a little bit sick and tired of hearing about the 950, 950XL, you're probably going to have to put up with a few more weeks of it as they actually really arrive for real this time. Um, and look forward to hearing what people think about them. If you've got any thoughts or comments, as ever, let us know through the usual channel. Yep, absolutely. And uh, with the, the way the retail prices have been dropping over the last few weeks, as people have been adjusting their pricing, um, if you extrapolate that, Rafe, through the whole of 2016, that means by Christmas 2016, both of these devices will be free. So that's good news to leave people with. Them. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to say goodbye. We've, we've been waffling off for far too long and my voice is getting very dry. Rafe is coughing away. So we're going to wish you all well and we'll catch you next week on the podcast.